0: I think you have a customer.
1: Welcome to Prescription for Hope. When times were tough for Charlie Brown, he turned to Lucy Van Pelt, who offered up psychiatric help. May I help you? I'm in sad shape. For cost. Before you begin, I must ask that you pay in advance. Five cents, please. In this time of the coronavirus, we all need support. And Metro Health's Dr. Robert L. Smith, or Dr. Bob, as he's known around the system, provides that help. He stopped by the MetroHealth studio on Monday, March 30th to offer some much needed and much appreciated help for everyone. The doctor is in and you can keep your nickel. Can you start just by introducing yourself?
0: So my name is Dr. Bob Smith. I'm director of the Medical Staff Assistance Program, which means that I work with our Employee Assistance Program to develop programs to support all of our staff.
1: So in very layman's terms, you are caring for the staff.
0: That's our job. Okay. Yeah.
1: I guess the right question to start with is how are you doing?
0: You know, I think I'm doing well um, because this is what I teach all the time. And I don't think that you can be effective teaching something if you don't do it. So I practice self-care, self-monitoring, mindfulness. Um, being sure that all of my relationships are positive and constructive. Um, I make that part of how I live each day um, because I believe the only way I can take care of others is if I'm healthy. If I get sick, I don't have anything to give. And that's what I keep trying to remind all of our providers here is that we're very self-sacrificing. So the people who work at Metro Health, we care so much about others and we are prepared to give and give and give. But if we're not careful we give too much, if we get sick, then we don't have any more to give. Did you,
1: when you created the Employee Assistance Program, which is a program to keep employees healthy, and, to, and if they're in crisis or times of trouble, a place to go, was a crisis like this ever envisioned or planned for?
0: Not like this. I don't think, back then we didn't talk as much about pandemics. More what we were concerned about were Um, events that might occur within the city, and then, of course, 9-11 occurred, and that became more, I think, of the focus is what if there was some type of tragedy that occurred, and would we be able to handle all of the patients from the community who might be hurt by a bombing or or some type of poisoning or something like that? Um, At that point, we weren't talking about a pandemic. This is something that I think is more unsettling because we didn't envision it, It's invisible. Um, We don't really have a lot of knowledge about it. We're gaining knowledge as we go along and we can't control it. And so those are all very unsettling kinds of
1: features of this pandemic. And if, you know, God forbid a plane crashed or we had a, a disaster, we would have a flood of patients but our caregivers wouldn't be in danger. And now they are. So we
0: have two issues. The first is we have a lot of people here who will put their well-being on the shelf. And again, it's one of those, such an admirable trait of healthcare providers that they rush in where many persons would turn and run away. Um, They feel compelled to help others. But we have to keep reminding them, go slow, be thoughtful, follow the appropriate precautions, keep yourself safe, so that you can help this person and the next person and the next person and the next person. So there's that first group that we have to keep reminding them, be safe, follow the precautions, Um, don't take shortcuts, um, don't rush in. And then we've got a second group of course who are anxious for very good reason. They're anxious for their own well-being but oftentimes they're anxious because of their families at home, Um, they've got children, um, their significant other, Perhaps they have older family members who they are taking care of, and so they don't want to take this home to them. And again, following appropriate precautions, making sure that you're thoughtful and careful, wash your hands, cover your cough, do all those things we're talking about, the social distancing, um, because again, it's easy to get into your old routine and, and follow things and then forget. And so again, we have to keep reminding people to be, be cautious. There is no way to guarantee that no one will get sick we don't know um it's so prevalent go to the grocery store you go to the pharmacy we don't know where you might pick up the the virus so we again be as careful as we can knowing that we don't have control
1: and are you spending your days now uh, connecting with uh, caregivers and and if so what are they what are they telling you
0: we're connecting 24-7 with, con- with providers. We want them to know that we're there, we're available. Now it's almost all telehealth, but again, we're readily available by phone to, to touch base with individuals. Uh, we're starting to do it with groups now. So this morning I was available to our trauma surgeons and we had a group at 7.30 to 8.30 and we're gonna do that every Monday morning so that they've got a, a call in for support. Uh, we're doing that for other areas of the hospital to provide them with support. Um, because we think that's important um, that they have access to us Um, i try each day to walk through the hospital and hit some of the primary clinical areas and say hello to the staff and make sure that i'm visible uh, to remind them that we're available to them to support them um, because we want them to know they're not alone and that there is support for them
1: what are their big concerns what are they telling you these these days
0: of course in healthcare right now for the providers one of the biggest things is will we have enough protective equipment and I know that our administration is focused on that they're that's one of their top priorities and they're they're dealing with that constantly as, as the whole country is um so that's a concern uh, I know that people are concerned about being lonely they're, this social distancing is having a real impact on people's emotional well-being um not being able to see family members. I know for my wife and I, one of the things, we have four grandchildren, and you know, my wife has been uh, one of the babysitters for the grandchildren on an ongoing basis every week, and now we don't get to see them, you know? So you you try to do the FaceTime on the phone, and you try to do other ways of connecting, um, but that's hard for a lot of people. So there's the, the, the concern about equipment, there's the concern about being distanced from our support systems, And then I think there's just that trepidation. All the data and all of the science is telling us it's coming. But it's not here yet. So we're preparing as much as we can. We're getting ready. But that waiting is really hard. And trying to be in the present and not fall into the trap of trying to predict, anticipate, and be 100% prepared we can't do that we don't have a crystal ball and we don't have um the ability to predict anything and the other thing is we if we're not careful we fall into a trap of anticipating the worst possible scenario oh my golly if you want to get depressed (laughs) go there um which really has no value, and doesn't really make a lot of sense. If we want to think about the future, think about the most likely scenario. And then that can be somewhat constructive. So for right now, what's the most likely scenario? Most likely scenario is if we get sick, we will not get very sick, we will be in quarantine, and then we will go back to work. That's the most likely scenario. And we can prepare for that. We can have food and, you know, the supplies we need for several weeks while we're on quarantine. But to go much beyond that and try to anticipate and predict what's coming, we don't know. And so I'd really try to encourage people to practice what we call mindfulness. Be in this moment, right now, connected with what you're doing and the people who are around you and try to avoid drifting off into Well, what might happen
1: next? Well, the darkness beckons. Social media, your mind, news articles, you know, and not just caregivers. If anybody feels they're getting pulled into this worst possible scenario, what are some tools that they can come step towards the light?
0: Well, there's a host of things that we can do. A lot of it's based upon a field called positive psychology. Uh, We have a lot of research now to demonstrate that there are specific skills and tools that we can use that can improve our mood and improve our overall well-being. Um, One of the first things, though, that I want to pick up on what you just said is we need to step away from the media. So yes, we want to be informed. Yes, we want to be up to date, but I would pick one maybe two sources of data and I would check them maybe three or four times a day not every 10 minutes and then what we need to do is refocus our our energy Um, are we focusing on positive and constructive things Um, I just finished writing a little article on a tool which is called three good things it's a simple little tool created by a, a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, His name is Martin Seligman, and he called it three good things because that's the whole tool. Each day, try to identify three good things. How did they make you feel, and what did you do to make them happen? That's it, and perhaps if there is a silver lining to the COVID-19 is that maybe it will help us come to realize what's really important. You know, when we can't travel, when we can't go see exotic places, when we can't spend a lot of money on an evening out, maybe the simple things are really what matters. And the three good things is just a way of reminding us to look for those things and to cherish and appreciate them.
1: So is that a a practice we do whenever, do we start the day, the end of the day? What's the suggestion there?
0: I would suggest that you just establish routine. So it could be whenever you want, but get into the routine of doing it. And you don't have to do it alone. You can do it with your partner. You can do it as a family. Um, you can sit down at dinner time and just go around the table and everybody share one good thing. Uh, go around a couple times and you know listen to one another. Really sort of share that moment as that person sharing what was positive for them. Um, we can also do gratitude lists. We can, one thing that I, I find very, this would be a really valuable thing to do right now, Identify one person in your life who's really touched you in a meaningful way and take a moment and write a letter and then contact them and read the letter to them and tell them how much you value them and why. Wow! And to take the time to just do that. So often we're busy, we're hurried, we're running along, we don't have time, or we take for granted that we'll tell them later And again, if there's any message that should be coming through this COVID-19 is, please don't put things off. Don't assume there's a later. Act now. Let people know you love them and you cherish them and that you appreciate them. Tell them now.
1: What are some normal feelings that we're all feeling? And when should uh, a potential thought or feeling be a red flag these days?
0: Okay. So normal feelings anxiety, fear, frustration, anger, loneliness, disappointment. Have I left any out? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I think that all of the emotions are normal and reasonable given the circumstances. A couple things you want to remember. Emotion follows thought. It may feel like an emotion just bubbles out of nowhere but that's not true. We have a thought, a perception, a belief, and then emotion follows it. So for instance, if we're walking down the hallway and you're walking behind me, and all of a sudden you come up against me and knock me to the ground. If my perception and belief is that you pushed me, then my thoughts become, how dare he do that? Who is he? He can't do that to me, and I get angry. My emotion follows my thought. If, however, my perception and thought is that you tripped and you fell, and that's how you struck me, then my thought becomes, I hope he's okay, let me check on him, and now I'm compassionate and understanding. My emotion follows my thought. When we have really strong negative thoughts, I'm sorry, strong negative feelings, we wanna step back and say, what am I thinking? What's going on with me right now? And what do I need to do to take care of me? Just walk it backwards. I'm very angry. I'm very sad. I'm very frightened. Let's step back. What am I thinking? What's going on with me? What do I need to do to take care of me? If I do that, I'll be okay. And oftentimes, what I need to do to take care of me is to reach out and ask for help. I'm not alone. There are always people who care about me, love me, and will support me. And if I let them help me, I can get through it. I've, I've said over and over again, there's nothing we can't get through together. Where we get into trouble is when we try to do things alone.
1: So, just before we started chatting, uh, there's an article in the New York Times, this headline. Nurses die doctors fall sick and panic rises on virus front lines and that's in New York so we're, we're um, a little bit behind and hopefully not as severe what are we what are you talking you and your team telling caregivers about what might be coming and what they should be doing
0: you know it's interesting you say that because we do have that advantage we're able to watch what's happening in New York, what's happened in other countries, and we're able to learn from it. Um, I was able to, to sit in on a call the other day um, for our planning for the potential surge of cases that we may have. And it was so reassuring to hear our medical staff and the the very detailed plan that we have in terms of our chain of command, our communication, um, the floors that will be used, the staff who will work on those floors, how we're going to manage the cases, how many cases we can have per per unit. To see that plan, I think, is very reassuring. And to hear people um, really having the facts, having a scientific approach to how we're going to manage things, um, this isn't speculation. It's not um, people reacting in an emotional way. It's a very thoughtful, very strategic plan. And I think that we can feel good that we have that kind of leadership here at Metro. Um, And we have really skilled and knowledgeable and experienced physicians who are leading uh, our teams, which is, again, so reassuring.
1: So that preparedness and and attitude and approach, you're seeing that have an effect on the front lines in terms of confidence and well-being?
0: Oh, sure. I think one of the things we want to strive for is transparency and a sense of here's our plan. We're not winging this. Uh, We're not sort of shooting in the dark. We've got a definite plan. We have the advantage of learning from other people's experiences and some of the things that they've struggled with. So we can learn from that. We can do it better. So we've got things moving forward in our favor um, because we're not there yet. That's the good news. We're not
1: there yet. We still have some time to get ready. This will end at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. And we'll go back to whatever the new normal is. What can we be doing now to make sure that new normal is better for all of us in terms of our health?
0: In the field of positive psychology, they have a a thing that they talk about where it's PERMA, positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And the reason I bring it up is that we used to talk about happiness. And happiness is certainly a nice thing, but it's an emotion which is rather transient and it's also rather superficial. Um, for me to be happy means that I'm enjoying a conversation or I'm having a good meal or I'm um, going on vacation. But it's it's more about pleasure than it is about something of substance. And so in the field of positive psychology, they've started to talk about, let's move away from happiness as our measure of well-being. And let's talk about other factors, which create a mu- creates a much more fulfilling kind of well-being and when we talk about positive emotion certainly happiness fits in there but engagement I think now what we're realizing is that we've lived in a society in which we've jumped around from one thing to another and there's so much going on and we don't have to really focus or become engaged with anything and now we've got time on our hands perhaps people are working from home and it's like I have to like focus on something Um, otherwise my mind is racing all over the place So engagement is now something new for people. Mindfulness is becoming more and more of a topic. Relationships we touched on earlier, I think now is the time to begin to really recognize that those relationships with family, friends, co-workers, our community become more and more important. And then we come to meaning. Too often, spirituality gets sort of confused Um, and people argue and and even have fights about spiritual beliefs. For me, when I think of spirituality or meaning, it's about what's important to me, what's really important, Uh, what has value. What do I really believe about my life and why am I here? What's my purpose? What gives my life a sense of fulfillment and joy? And I think that that is something that we really can hone in on to right now. What's really meaningful to us? And then lastly, our accomplishments. What have I done that's gonna make a difference? And what am I doing that is bigger than me? What am I contributing to that's gonna have a lasting impact? In fact, maybe it will never really even benefit me. You know, there's that old adage that isn't it wonderful to plant a tree that someday will provide a place of shade and rest for someone who's weary.
1: I really sense that you are approaching this, obviously with all the, the concern and, and caring that you can, but you're seeing this as, a, as almost as an opportunity for a better world and a better outcome on the other side. Is 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 it fair to to spin this, for lack of a better word, into, into something really positive for humanity?
0: Oh, I think so. I, I teach oftentimes that you know part of our struggle in life is that we look at things as good and bad. And by putting a label on it, we now contaminate it and change it um, rather than just experiencing it and realizing that we can grow and develop from everything. And oftentimes the more challenging the situation, the more difficult the situation, the more we grow and the more we change. Um, I feel that that has been true throughout my life. And I think that that can be true for all of us if we approach it in that way.
1: Do you have a, a, a kind of a 30 second, 60 second pep talk, some bullet points? What can we all be doing to get through this?
0: Um, know that there's one primary thing that will make you resilient, that will allow you to get through this time and all kinds of challenges in the future, and that's the relationships you have with the people around you. Pick positive people, connect with them, share with them, support them, and let them support you back. There's nothing that makes us more resilient than those positive relationships.
1: So three things grateful today. One of them for sure is having you come here and share. I think you've helped to help some people. Help um, me for sure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And if you do fall in the hallway and I'm behind you, I definitely tripped. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's really great. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, Please subscribe to Metro Health's Prescription for Hope in your favorite podcast app and leave us a five star review. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Until then, please wash your hands, stay in the moment, and be kind.